If you go to Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I on Twitter or X, I just uh, retweeted a photo from what it looks like in downtown Providence. Yikes. It is a mess. They got a mess on the bridge. And, uh, well, the Patriots have to, well, try to get out of the mess they're supposedly under and try to build a football team. Let's talk about that with our guy Tom E. Curran. He joins us now on the Harbor One Hotline. Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lepresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. And by Wise Snacks, no one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Tommy, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Andrew. What's going on, my friend? Hello, Christian. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? Good, buddy. Back, uh, in, back in the great state of Massachusetts, huh? Missing Vegas oh, yeah. at all, buddy? Yeah. yeah how was Vegas for the Super Bowl? Say it again? How was it for the Super Bowl out there? Oh, it was fine. It's a lot of, I mean, it's, it's all work. It's, and I think that's the interesting thing for us. I mean, we are on TV a lot. We have a lot of TV, podcast, interview responsibilities. So I'm not kind of gallivanting. Plus, I'm a little bit of an older gentleman. So my gallivanting days are drawing to a close. So it was good. We got a ton of guests and we got a ton of insight um, as we were out there. So it was a good week. Okay, because I know, like every, after every Super Bowl, they, they it's almost like I know it's nobody really votes on it, but they always say, "Oh, it was good, it was bad." Like this city sucked, never have it in this city again. We should always have it. The Super Bowl should always be in New Orleans. That's the universally considered like the best place to have the Super Bowl. So I guess if you were going to rank Vegas of all the Super Bowls you've been to, right? L.A. one year, Arizona a bunch of years, Minnesota, Atlanta, Houston, you, who does it best? Indianapolis was still the best one that I really? enjoyed the most because it okay. was so compressed. The downtown is so simple. Um, the stadium's there. All the bars and restaurants are right there. I really thought Indianapolis was fantastic. They had a network of hotels that were connected. But, again, that's for my purposes. If you're a fan, yeah. you want to go to Indianapolis. You want to go to Las Vegas. You want to go to Arizona, which is a little bit far flung, but yeah, New Orleans, all that stuff. My, I'm not the right guy to, to get on a sample of what's the best Super Bowl city because my interests are convenience at the media center, uh, approachability from my hotel, and ease of movement. That's it. <laughs> Okay. So, Tommy, Tommy, I know that uh, for many years, a lot of us went through the many Tom Brady debates, best of this, best of that, and Joe Montana was wedged in there for a very long period of time. Why are we not getting more comparisons of Mahomes to Montana the way Brady had to go through them in the first 10 years of his career? Because fewer people remember Joe Montana, so he's not used as the benchmark. Brady instead becomes the benchmark. It's just amusing how long it took Brady to break through and the reservations and qualifiers that were attached to Brady, even as he's reeling off Super Bowls. And people would say, well, Joe Montana was 4-0 in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he, he also got absolutely demolished and went 2-3 and three in NFC Championship games for a stretch of time. He wasn't even getting Super Bowls. He was getting his ass handed to him in NFC championship games in the mid eighties. So to me, it's, it's just, look, there was a a massive amount of Patriot fatigue that ensued. And you're going to see that when the dynasty documentary comes out later this week. Um, And you'll begin watching that and Christian, you'll be involved and you'll enjoy it um, because I've seen some of the trailers 
and teasers. Um, but people were very, very reserved about doling out the credit to the Patriots and Brady and Belichick because of the way they perceived them. They came from nowhere. They had a reviled coach when Bill took over and Peyton Manning and the Colts were the anointed ones. So everything was qualified and qualified and qualified. But when you look at it and when you watch this dynasty on Apple TV later this week, you're going to remember just how ridiculous the conversation is. Cause I watched all 10 episodes last night. I was fortunate enough to be included in that and how we can even have a conversation about Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady at this point. And I do, he's on, you know, Mahomes is top five, but Brady is so far and away beyond anything that anybody else is that it's absurd to even have this Patrick Mahomes conversation. Yeah. I, I just, I refuse to even have it. It's almost comical in a way. And sometimes I see some, I see other fans, other media members who are pro Kansas city. And I go, man, they are so freaking annoying. And on one, and I go, is, is, is that the way we were? Is that the way Patriots fans were? Just obnoxious, loud, arrogant? Yeah. And, and I think the answer is yes. And that has to oh, do yeah. with some bit of the animosity that grew because like, bragging rights always started in Foxborough. Yeah, and we were off also, you know, the way the Patriots came about in 01, 03, 04, and it wasn't necessarily them as much as the media around them, they had a totally different way of doing things. There was no hood ornament. They were predicated on the fact that Tom Brady was a hood ornament. Like every team was seeking, he got injured. And one of the, you know, serfs, Tom Brady rose to the level of King. And as a result, the Patriots figured and seemed, and maybe they did, Hatch a new way of doing things. They hatched a new way of having a culture that you were a part of, Christian. And New England fans and the Patriots themselves were happy to celebrate, hey, we do it differently. We get introduced as a team. We are selfless. We have a coach who doesn't sit there and give pithy sound bites. We have a quarterback who makes less than everybody, and he's just one of the guys. So that existed until 2007, really, when in that offseason they went from Cinderella to supermodel, and they were a team that, became easy to dislike, especially after Spygate began. But, you know, when you look at the Chiefs compared to the Patriots, when you look at Brady compared to Mahomes, the Patriots won Super Bowls in 01, 03, 04. Probably should have won it in 06, except for a really crappy roster, and they lose to the Colts. Then they should have won it in 11, perhaps, had Gronk not been injured. 2012, they certainly could have done the same thing, I and mean, Gronk was injured again. Um 13, they were not a good enough team, but 15, they certainly were. If it wasn't for Jamie Collins biting on 2-0 and Daniels touchdowns, they would have absolutely taken care of business in that Super Bowl. So what are we talking about? And the way the Patriots won their Super Bowls compared to what the Chiefs are doing. I mean, Mahomes turned it on late in the game and brilliantly, and I love him. I think he's awesome. He's one of those guys who belongs to the Mount Rushmore. But what the Patriots accomplished in the, these games – over and over and over again, what Brady did. Mahomes isn't even in the same friggin' galaxy. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston here with Gresham Fourier. That kind of gets to the team building that's got to go on in Foxborough, Tommy. If you look really over the last decade, there are two guys that stand out, Brady and Mahomes. A lot of people very just tritely say, i got to find a Brady or Mahomes. Well, those guys are one of one. 
So really the question becomes, Tom, with the number three pick involved as well, do you go chasing your version of the Yeti or do you build a football team? And, you know, we look at the Super Bowl, and we see Kansas City and we see San Francisco, two very different ways of building teams. I don't know if one is more right than the other. I know you've kind of been on record of tackle at number three. Does that mean you lean towards more of maybe the way a San Francisco way of building a roster down in Foxborough? Um, I didn't necessarily say tackle at number three. I don't think I've ever right. said that. What I said was trade down. Consider the trade down because of the booty that you can get in return. Because if you get the eighth overall pick and then, say, Atlanta's number one pick next year, and you have your own and Atlanta's next year, you can move up if you see the quarterback du jour next year or Duane next year. You can move up then. Um, and people are like, well, you got to go and take the quarterback. All right, well, Mahomes was the 10th overall pick. Brady was 199th overall pick. Josh Allen was, what, the sixth overall pick? The gap between Mahomes and everybody else in this elite quarterback group is insane. Mm-hmm. You know, even you want to talk about Joe Burrow, he was number one overall pick. He's hurt all the time. Lamar Jackson had been hurt all the time, or too frequently for my taste, before this year. And even then, he gets into the playoffs, and he, he doesn't excel at the same level. So I continue to look at that and be like, got to get the quarterback. got to take that shot when you're at the top. Bill and I talk about this all the time. Yes. Keep scratching the scratch tickets. I get the logic. I understand why Jaden Daniels or Drake May could be the guy that you want to build around. But I also see the logic in doing it the other way. So it's the same thing as with the Super Bowl. People want to absolutely lacerate Kyle Shanahan for butchering overtime. And, like, if you can't see the logic behind exactly what he did and realize that that was a 51-49 decision and not a 95% right, 5% wrong decision – as people are reframing it, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm segueing a little bit, but mm. these are close calls. Not so sure. Yeah, yeah, I feel like no. I feel like uh, I feel like Shanahan. Why would you not want to know what you need to do there? And when you win the toss in overtime, there is no downside to getting it second. To knowing like what the like what the Chiefs were going to do of the well if they score they kick the PAT we're going to go for two we've already decided it because we're like when analytics people are like hmm I'd like to operate with less information <laughs> that's what I don't understand yeah to me if you decided to give Patrick Mahomes the ball first in a sudden death scenario. You should be thrown off the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, it's no longer that's a, a it, well, but so, that's the thing. It's no longer a sudden death scenario anymore because oh, but it is one a of the death scenario the little, once you get past the first two possessions, it absolutely is. That's what Shanahan's logic was. I want to have the ball first in sudden death. So that was what he explained. It, See, yeah, uh, yeah, no, it, it was an offensive guy thinking like a defensive coach. Really? Yeah. See, I look at it totally different. I look at it as. The amount of stress that Patrick Mahomes puts on that defense in that scenario, I think mentally is a little too tough for the defense to kind of deal with. That's that's why, and I'm with Gress. I want to know what I'm going to deal with. They Both sides said that they knew what they were going to do beforehand. The Chiefs said they were going to, if they got the ball, they're going to, if they score, they're going to go for two. 
which is fine. I wonder what the 49ers mm-hmm. would have done. They settled for a field goal, but they had no choice. But I'm going to circle back. Not even wait circle back, I bring this. up a new question. i got to say this. Go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. If they went 3-3, three to three, Kansas City kicked the field goal, San Fran got, kicked the field goal, and then you gave the ball to Patrick Mahomes in sudden death and you made that choice, he would be getting absolutely hammered. You absolute idiot. You gave Patrick Mahomes the ball first in sudden death. That's what the scenario was. If they had tied in that situation, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes would have gotten the ball first. Again, that's why it's it's a much narrower call than people are giving it credit for. You want to get Patrick Mahomes the ball first in sudden death overtime? You need your head examined. Well, speaking of head being examined, um, uh, okay. let's go to Mac Jones, Tommy Kern, because um, rumors, sources say that the Patriots uh, are you know looking into uh, moving Mac Jones. What do you think? What do you think they should do with them? And what do you think ultimately they would do if you have that answer? What do I think they should do with him? I think he's an asset, and you should keep him on the roster as long as you possibly can before moving on from him because he has demonstrated that he can play at a decent and productive level in the league. Now, he also demonstrated in the most recent games, the Giants game, um, the Indianapolis Colts game, the last times we saw him, that he is can play at a disastrous level, an embarrassing level, a humiliating level that costs everybody their jobs. But the guy is in there, so keep him until you know what you're doing. So keep him through free agency, definitely. Keep him through the draft. If you have Gardner Minshew and Jaden Daniels and Bailey Zappi on your roster at that juncture, yeah, you can trade Mac Jones, release Mac Jones, leave him at the curb. But to me, what's the rush? Unless you're trying to do him a solid as an organization and the Kraft family feels as if, you know what, it's better to do you a solid and move your face out of here than it is to have you around. Um, and I'm saying they would do the solid. Mayo would be more of, we just don't want your face around. I think the Kraft would see, can we, can we move him someplace? Because I feel bad what happened with Bill. Um, but I think he's going to end up elsewhere, which is an understatement. Yeah, Tommy, I'm with you on the timing of it all. <clears throat> you got to treat even even though we might be down on some guys, you got to try to treat them the best you can as an asset. Yeah, it's again, what happens if the free agent quarterback you sign gets in a moped injury in the Bahamas? <laughs> now you have to don't throw things out before you need them. Until you, so you're not saying, oh, I wish I didn't throw that away. Keep them until you don't need them anymore. Uh, good stuff from our friend Tom E. Kern of NBC Sports Boston. You'll hear him with Jones and Mego on Thursday. Tommy, thank you, friend. We'll catch you later. See you guys. Thank you very much. There, there, you go. there he goes. Yeah, no, good chat. I love disagreeing with Tom.